All topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcane Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Welcome, listeners, to the FS360 podcast. You're joined by host Gavin Nash and Chris Mulcahy. G'day, Chris. G'day, Gav. How are you? Not too bad. Been a busy couple of days with federal budget announced. So today's going to be our budget special episode. Yeah, no, it certainly has. It's been pretty full on. A lot of talk around the budget and how important it was given the circumstances that we're in with the pandemic. So, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to sort of, uh, you know, dig deep on a few of the main items that affect our clients and just sort of see where we're at and... I guess, yeah, there's clients that sort of need these uh, measures to help them through the next few months and years, but there's others that can sort of capitalise on it too. Absolutely. And look, for someone that's not really a financial background like myself, um, I've never been so interested in a budget. (laughs) Really? This year. Like, I've sort of looked at the budget, you know, periodically over the years, but this year I've sort of delved right into it and having a good look because... There's so much in it, isn't there? Yeah, for us accountants, you know, normally the budget's in May and we were just lost, you know, when they said, look, we're deferring the budget because normally the first week in May, you know, we all set our uh, calendars for that time frame just to, you know, that's our main main day of the year to sit down and really listen through what the Treasurer's got to say and where we're going to be for the next 12 months. But, yeah, we had to put that off till October, which was a bit of a struggle for us. But Although I think you guys are pretty busy anyway for that eight, 12, 16 weeks coming up to June 30 anyway with all the coronavirus stuff. So I think you had plenty to do. Yeah, no, that's right. And we're welcoming in our um, resident Collingwood supporter, Simon Bennett, partner in accounting. Welcome, Simon. Thanks, Gavin. Chris, yeah, good to be here on the on the back of a good win over the West. Yeah, well, <laughs> he says smiling at Chris, who's a Geelong supporter, and they're playing this weekend. Boys, who's going to win? Well, I must admit, um, yeah, the Cats probably in the finals don't, give you a lot of confidence after the last few years. And then Hawkins kicking, what, six points last weekend? Six points. Reminded me of an SMW Rovers grand final where a forward kick one goal six. Well, he ended up with two goals, so that was okay. Was that you or our coach? It might have been me. (laughs) (laughs) One goal six. I've never lived it down. It's even on video, so that's the problem. So sometimes the final pressure can get to you, Chris, even the best of us. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So Simon's joined us today, listeners, to – we're going to do a bit of a budget special. We're going to go through some bits and pieces from the budget. But um, before we do, we're just going to get a little update on JobKeeper 2.0 from Simon. Yeah, so JobKeeper 2.0 started um, from 28th of September. Um, so obviously got to re- reassess um, eligibility. Um, so comparing September 20 uh, quarter this year to September 19 last year, um, which you need that 30% drop um, in income or turnover – to, to get in again, um, otherwise basically you're, you're out of the system. Um, there has been alternative tests released, um, which, yeah, go into a fair bit of detail then to be able to use a different um, comparison period if there was things happening last year that don't make it relevant to compare to this year um, that you might be able to get in on as well. But, yeah, basically you still got to sh- sort of show that 30% drop. And being last time it was only a month you had to show it for, but being a, a bigger period this time um, obviously makes it more more tricky to get in uh, because you've got to have that sustained drop um, compared to last year. And 30% equates to, you know, it's quite a bit dollar terms for a lot of people um, to have have dropped. So if you are lucky enough to get into it, um, there'll be the two new payment rates um, now. So any staff over 20 hours a week um, will be 1,200 a fortnight. And then staff um, under the 20 hours will be 750 a fortnight. So that's um, in comparison to the 1,500 flat rate per fortnight for every staff member last time. So, um, and yeah, probably a little bit of detail on assessing that. Um, 
It's based off a average of your hours um, for either the Feb month or June month this year. Oh, okay. Um, so they're, they're relating it back to a particular month. Yeah. So back when things were probably a bit more normal, um, they've used Feb for and June's for those um, staff members that could then come into JobKeeper um, because they started pre-1st of July then. So, um, But ones that worked over the whole period can use either, whatever works out better. For that staff or better for the business, I guess. And am I right in believing that JobKeeper 2.0 is through to March 28? Is that what we're looking yeah, at? Yeah, so moment? so this test period for September will get you eligible through to end of December. Oh, yeah, um, just for this quarter, yep. Then you've got to reassess for December quarter on last year's December to get in through to March then, mm. so which is – so if you have missed out for September um, this this period, um, yeah, as I understand, that you can, can get in for December – um, quarter, which will then get your job keeper for um, January to March, effectively. Yep. Yeah, because it's probably fair to say, Simon, it's been an interesting mix in some businesses not eligible for job keeper too, because their performance has improved and therefore you know their turnover hasn't dropped back. So, which I suppose is disappointing in one sense, but on the other hand, it means that their business is sort of slowly getting back on track. And there's also the odd client too that wasn't getting job keeper one but is now eligible for JobKeeper too. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, even the ones that were affected by the restrictions and things like that, um, keeping in mind, I guess, sort of June, July, we were fairly open in regional Victoria with restrictions. Melbourne obviously got hit during that period, but we were sort of trading, you know, back to a fair bit of normality. Um, and then sort of August, September got hit again for certain industries. So, yeah, there will be ones that probably because of that haven't, got in because they were back to sort of reasonable trading um, through that period. And then, yeah, like you say, Chris, there'll be others that for circumstances sometimes not due to COVID um, have, yeah, have sort of missed out on the first one but come in come in on this one. Chris, are those businesses, we've said in previous podcasts that some businesses have got much longer sales terms. So let's say uh, your cafe restaurant relies on people coming in today you know, for turnover, but there's some businesses that have got a longer period than that and so maybe they're – their work that they had booked in had run out, has now run out, and now they're sort of seeing that downturn happen now. Yeah, that and look, I think there are a few that had contracts that were running that you know, were running for the next three to six months and now they've finished. So mm. they're the types of businesses that will be tapping into the JobKeeper too. So I think it's just important to just to keep looking at the numbers and just seeing if you are entitled to it, I think. That's probably the important thing. And a good message there, Simon, you mentioned about the alternative tests. I think a lot of people don't understand what they are and we don't need to go through them in the podcast, but I was surprised to know that there were seven or nine uh, alternative tests for JobKeeper 1. So, um, you know, that's where come and see the professionals here because we can give you a hand with all those and we sort of our guys know the differences and, you know, what you can't claim. Yeah, there's definitely um, a bit of sort of looking through the details of those to work out, yeah, if you are eligible to use one of the alternative tests. Um, so there is a fair bit of detail in those to to assess them. But, yeah, definitely come and come and have a chat to us just to, if you feel like, yeah, you might might be other means of getting JobKeeper 2.0. Happy days. Thanks, Simon. Um, thanks for the update. That was good. Um, I know um, there's a lot of businesses out there relying on it. So um, and, you know, like it or lump it and how much debt it's put the country into, it's been a good thing, JobKeeper, I think. Yeah, no, it's been a bit of a saviour, I think. It's just really, you know, helped that connection between the employer and the employee, which was what it was all about initially. And I think that's, yeah, it's very important that that, that continues. And it does really flow through to our main topic, doesn't it, Gav? The, main, the federal 2021 budget was handed down the other night. So um, 
Yeah, this our main topic this week is going to be about the federal budget. So, look, there's plenty to go into. We're going to try and make this, guys, uh, for our listeners out there, a bit of a conversation, throwing in some detail um, without going through every single point of the budget document, which is obviously, you know, uh, quite a few pages and covers things. But we thought we'd try and uh, keep the conversation to what affects our clients here at Mulcanco. So, Gav, you might recall that uh – at the last budget, last year, the government was talking about a surplus. So we're heading to a situation where they were going to balance the books thereabouts. So since then, obviously, everything's gone pretty much pear-shaped and now we're looking at a you know, a big deficit of uh, around that well over $200 billion, I think it is. So, yeah, so we're, you know, they've got to spend a lot of money and it's going into a lot of different areas to stimulate business. You know, the JobKeeper is probably one of those main ones that's going to continue on. But there's a lot of other stimulus measures too that are designed to probably encourage business more than anything um, and then that flow on effect that, you know, businesses are able to employ and so forth. So I guess that's probably really the main theme around around the budget, which I think they had some um, slogan about jobs, didn't they? Jobs, jobs, jobs and... I um, mean, I've come up with a new word, so job maker. Job maker, yeah, job that's Job makers, uh, and so for anyone listening, it's sort of... Um, the, the federal government, if you employ someone, I think it's between the age of 19 and 29, I think it is, um, yep. in, yeah, yep, for the next 12 months, the government, federal government will pay you the first $200 of their wage. So it's really based around getting apprentices into apprenticeships, trainees, um, e- even graduates from uni, anyone in that age bracket, uh, get them into any kind of work. And the only limit on it is that it's got to be the 20 hours a week is a minimum. So um, I've got a son at the moment looking for his graduate job out of uni, so I said to him, just keep an eye on Seek because the I think you'll see a few jobs pop up that might only be 25 hours a week but um, because they're probably going to get half of that wage or a third of that wage covered by the government for the next yeah. 12 months. And I was chatting to a client this morning and they were asking when this begins because they want to start looking at options to get new people on board. So you can sort of see that, yeah, people are listening, aren't they? They're listening and I guess we're all attuned to it now. There's been that much change and that many options or opportunities for businesses to try and help them through, that they're all sort of listening and waiting and, you know, looking to take take these opportunities when they do present themselves. And I think um, the media landscape in Australia is pretty good in that you can get a snapshot pretty quick, can't you? Like it's sort of – it was on the other night and then the next morning in my, in my email comes, you know, Nine News, you know, the ABC, everyone's done a – the ABC website even has got a little – what you're going to save in your tax from the tax cuts calculator yep. on there. So they've even sort of prepared that. So obviously the media sometimes get leaked a bit of stuff before the, the budget announcement, but there's lots of really good sort of dot-pointed lists going about too in some of the media outlets, which is good. But that job maker hiring credit, it's called. So, yeah, for 12, for 12 months, um, that could be a real – that's, as you said, it's stimulating businesses to go out and start employing people. So hopefully that means that it's sort of – starts the circle of um, business happening where you get customers sort of coming wanting work done and, and businesses taking on the work and getting it done with some new employees, hopefully. Yeah, because the big concern is you've got these young people out and, look, it's not their fault that, you know, the situation that we're in. So, yeah, the concern is you sort of lose them or, or they don't get that opportunity to work somewhere and build up those skills and so forth. So they really get lost. So I think that's it's such an important thing. I think that's where, you know, we're talking about some pretty big numbers that the government is spending and how much debt we're going to be in. But I think one of those main economists I listened to uh, recently on one of those morning shows was sort of saying, look, you know, if you're concerned about overspending, you should be much more concerned about underspending because mm. the cost of underspending 
in these situations, you know, provides or puts a country in a situation where it takes decades to get to get back on track. So you wouldn't want that young person to, to not be in work for the next three years, for example. You really need them. So I said to my son, look, even if you've got a 12-month gig out of it and then it stopped at 12 months, well, at least you've got your year's experience under your belt and you can take that on to the next application. So sometimes um, I think it's designed to do that, especially for young people, I think, because otherwise, you know, and a few people have said, oh, well, what happens to anyone that's over 29 or whatever? Like it doesn't seem to help you know, those who are a bit older. But I suppose we assume, the government's assuming those that are older have got a bit more experience. They might have a few more options with employment, whereas yeah. those young people, as you say, they're coming out of high school or coming out of uni – they just don't have any any other any experience, and the the threat is that they'll stay unemployed for a long, long time. So. Yeah, and I think there's that that balance too between you. Know, and I know the government have copped a fair bit of flack about the job seeker because I think that's going to come back to its old levels. Yeah, around December, um, I think. Yeah, around December, and also the assumed finish date of job keeper, which is the end of March next year. But I suppose to a certain extent, and we saw this a little bit, or we're seeing it where. There's that uh, part of the population that aren't motivated to find a job because these concessions or these government payments are allowing them to generate enough income to live how they want to live. So it's sort of an interesting balance where socially, you know, they're trying to do the right thing and give people a handout Make that sure they people need. people above the poverty line, say, for example, or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. there's also going to be that incentive or that motivation to get people into work and have a purpose in life as opposed to thinking, well, you know, I'm just going to live on the dole for the rest of my life. So, yeah. I, you, look, it is difficult for the government, but, yeah, and it must be hard for them to probably wind back that job seeker, which was always going to be a challenge, but they put it out there because they thought that that part of the population would spend it and put it into the economy, wouldn't necessarily save it. So but I think it's just that fine balance between just giving people a motivation, purpose to go and get a job, but making sure, you know, the people that can't get that job have got a fallback position. And I think that it's like anything that comes out in politics, isn't it? Like who'd be a politician really? Um, but there's always two or three sides to every story. So what you're just saying about job seeker, well, of course not going to suit some, but then others – like business owners might say, well, yeah, wind it back, you know, get them back working and get them up to the picking fruit at Mildura or whatever it's, you're going to do. So there's, there, there are shortages out there. Like I've got quite a few clients at the moment looking for staff, can't get qualified staff or can't get staff that just – I saw a Facebook post from someone that I don't even know the other day come in, he's a builder, and he said, today I've, I've got four staff, one's at trade school, the other three have called in sick. So he said, what, what am I going to do today? Yeah, you know, yeah. try and work myself, the whole business. So um, – he just sort of said, I'm open to employing anyone as long as you just turn up on time. So I think there's, a, there's always two or three sides to all that, all that stuff that comes out in the budget. So I suppose we've got to think about everything with, a, with others in mind as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, one interesting thing we're talking about here too is that the apprentices and trainees. Um, so from October the 5th, um, 2020 to September next year, 2021, Businesses who take on a new apprentice or trainee will be eligible for a 50% wage subsidy of up to 7000 per quarter, regardless of geographic location, occupation so and business size. So it's really one of my clients is a, is a traineeship provider, so an apprenticeship provider, and um, they're punching the air. They're sort of like, you know, we're going to be able to get a lot of people in. Um, there's a lot of – they think there's a lot of trades and whatever that will take on apprentices now because of that sort of measure as well. So, again, helping business – to sort of inc encourage them to employ, so. Yeah, definitely. Where they're being subsidised for it, it sort of takes that risk out of if you haven't got work from all the time for another full position, you know, job, but you're getting someone trained up. So if you do have those people that are, yeah, calling sick 
a lot of times and you've got to, you know, the work on that needs to get done, um, you can sort of take that risk and put an extra person on and have 50% of their wage covered, um, you know, to, to help out. And especially, I didn't think about the training side of it, I suppose. You probably should because it's a traineeship and apprenticeship. But that's right, isn't it? Because if you put on an apprentice some, or on a trainee, sometimes, you know, the issue is that they're not really generating a lot of income for you in that first 12 months anyway. So um, you can afford to do a bit of training in that time and the government are going to subsidise you. For yeah, exactly. It, so. There's always those efficiency uh, losses with someone taking someone out to train, you know, time out to train them as well as um, having that person sort of not fully efficient, I guess, because they're only just starting out and haven't got the skills and that for the, the position. So, um, yeah, definitely. And, again, it's out. training people to become qualified, to become employable so that they can, you know, pay a lifetime's worth of tax as well as they go through their working life but um, be be employed that whole time as well. So it's it's thinking – I like that one because it's thinking much more long-term. Yeah, and I, and I think too, like the people we're talking about, the these these young people that have – like the last 12 months I've been through – like their lives have been turned upside down, haven't they? Like where they're finishing off school and they haven't been at school, you know, being probably distant from their mates and so forth, which are, you know, at that stage in life it's a pretty good year going through school towards the end, isn't it? Like to, Absolutely. You know, it's sort of reasonably social and so forth. Um, and, as, and as you get older you get a bit less social, don't you, Chris? But but you're right, I've got one doing year 12. It's tough. It's yeah. tough on her because she's got all of her friends turning 18. The 18-year-olds can't even get their licence, you know, they can't yep. go out and have a drink or whatever. Yeah. So all that stuff that we all took for you yeah. know, took, took for that's just what you can do when we yeah, were growing so they, up. Yeah, so they sort of just need a break, don't they? They just need yeah. a break to sort of hopefully get into a job and a role that yep. might be short-term but at least it's got them out and about and they're thinking, oh, well, life's not that bad. They've got a bit, a bit more purpose about them. So yeah, exactly. I think there's a fair bit of that in it too. Uh, exactly. Now, I wanted to move on to the extended instant tax write-off. This is this is an interesting one, isn't it? It started for anyone that's been following this. So this is where businesses can write off the whole amount of a piece of equipment or um, a vehicle or whatever they're doing in their business um, this financial year. So originally, am I right, Chris, thinking it was $1,000? used to always be $1,000. Yep. A couple yep. of years ago, it went up to 20000 Yep. And then it went to 30000 and then once COVID hit, went to one hundred and fifty thousand. So for the last financial year, which yep. was nineteen twenty yeah. financial 20, year, yep, yep, went to one hundred and fifty grand, which um, is yeah, and, definitely. And they extended that till um, through to December this year at that one hundred and fifty. Um, so yeah, for this change now, they've obviously yeah killed that that limit on uh, depreciation. So effectively, you can write off now. unlimited. Yeah, unlimited. So any asset you buy, um, no, yeah, no monetary quantity can be yeah. Can be written off, so it's um, yeah, yeah. Because that, we had that support? other depreciation one too, didn't we? Like we had the write-off, and then for this entire financial year was the new item. Yep, new items. Yep, yep. above was it above of one fifty? Yeah, yep. yeah. So we had that as well, but this just blows both those, like the one fifty write-off plus that other one. Yeah, and that was only fifty percent of that one too. Yeah, it was too. Yeah, that's right. So, yep. so that was the limitation there that you still only got the fifty percent. So if it was two hundred grand, you get a hundred thousand dollar write-off. Um, on it, and was that a surprise to you too that it became unlimited? I sort of yeah, I had to. It was one of the things that pricked my ears up when I heard it. I thought, gee, that's a. I know, thought they might have extended the one fifty maybe for another yep. six months. And yep. look, that instant asset write off every budget, like it's never actually been enshrined in law that it's an ongoing thing. Every year they renew it, and I think it's the reason they do that is just to give everyone the incentive each year not to sit back and say, oh, well, it's going to be there next year so we yeah. won't worry about doing anything now. It's sort of forcing that expenditure to happen. So I think that's why. But, yeah, to do what they're doing is, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible from a depreciation claiming point of view. Um, it's a 
I guess a short term fix, I guess, which is what these measures are all about to get to get that um, decision making happening. But you know, we were just chatting about it before, Simon. The impact that it'll have on, I suppose, depreciation claims moving forward. Obviously, you'll claim it all in one hit, and even writing off depreciation pool balances. I think that's going to yeah. Be- so previously, with that hundred and fifty, you could write off a pool balance up to one hundred and fifty as well if you're under, but. That'll be scrapped as well, so it'll be a full, um, yeah, full pool balance can be written off in this this current financial year as well. So it makes it, yeah, obviously makes a huge impact on your net profit for this year in terms of tax. Um, but then, yeah, you've obviously cleared out a depreciation which would have ran um, prorated over, you know, numerous years that the following year then you might potentially have no depreciation left to um, to claim and your profit sort of might, you know, spike yeah, um, back up. So it is. But, that. I, but I suppose it is designed to help now. It yeah. is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what a lot of this budget is. It's to help right now for the next twelve months. Let's just try and you know keep ourselves our head above water. So yeah. as you say, there's exactly. a you know it's a it's a great thing for any business to look at, but you know it comes with an asterisk, doesn't it? You know, just yeah. keep an eye. And that's where the tax planning assists. You know, with the guys here at, in the accounting division to say, well, look, you know, let's think about the the twenty one twenty two financial year at the same time, and you know, so um, yeah, but it is it is really really generous isn't it that and one? look it is understanding how it actually works too and how it does relate back to your tax rate i had a uh, question from a client a couple of weeks ago about the 150 write-off um they were just organizing i think it was a new tractor i think that they're looking to buy and you know get it purchased before the end of the calendar year and tap into the one 150 write-off but he thought that he'd get the 150 back Sorry, the uh, price of the machine back. So I think it was going to be about 120 grand. He thought that he'd get that back, 120,000. I said, oh, no, no, look, it links back to your tax rate. Your tax rate's about 15%. So it's 15% of 120,000. So what's that, about $18,000 actual cash benefit to you? And he goes, oh, is that all? (laughs) So he was a bit bit disappointed then. and, And it's really just bringing that, deduction forward to all that benefit forward because over you, you were going to claim it anyway yeah that's yeah. right over the course of so yeah look it will certainly helped and the previous concessions or depreciation have certainly helped situations and bought for a lot of expenditure um but yeah look you've just really got to understand the actual cash benefit to you of making that deduction but i'll tell you who it has helped the people selling the equipment <laughs> It has. They, they yeah. have uh, had a real spike. Even this 150 coming up to June 30, a couple of our clients who sell, you know, um, equipment for businesses, yep. um, that could be a printing press, it could be a tractor, it could be vehicles. Um, they are seeing some real um, kind of, you know, con- considering the COVID situation, they are seeing some really good months and some really good sales in those areas. So yep. it is benefiting other businesses as well, not just those claiming the, the, the deduction. So Yeah, because there are some industries that are still – tracking pretty well and haven't really been impacted too much by the COVID situation yet. I guess through this whole podcast series, we've been saying that, yeah, look, it's more the economic conditions that will probably hit them rather than the COVID situation. But I suppose with budgets like this in place, like it's really, I guess, trying to keep the economy buoyant, isn't it? So, yeah, for the time being, things will probably tick along as is with low interest rates, et cetera. So, you just yeah. can't go to Queensland for a holiday. No, that's right. <laughs> we all just work all the time. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, I'm going to throw to you boys to see if we know much about the small business loss carryback. That sounds a bit technical to Simon me. Simon knows all and that. And I don't this. understand it 100% because yes. I'm a marketing guy, as you know, Simon. But um, 
Can you give us a bit of insight into the small business loss carryback? Yeah, so basically um, it is where for the 2020, 2021 or 2022 year, um, you have a loss because I guess of circumstances going on at the moment. Um, you'd then be able to sit that and hold it for a carry forward loss to be able to use against future profits in future years, which I guess with everything going on, it's not really much of a benefit to you. It is in future years, but not right now. So what they've enabled, if you did have a profit um, from the 2019 year onwards, um, you can then get a tax uh, refundable tax offset to utilise the loss in this year and actually carry it back instead of generally losses are only carried forward to future years um, because you can't obviously you know grab grab a profit from last year and apply the loss from this year against it. Um, so that's what they're allowing. So yeah, where you have been impacted and it's created a loss, they're giving you that benefit where you've because I guess in the last probably, I don't know, six, 12 months, you probably just paid tax on that 19 year um, and, you know, had to set aside that money, but they're giving you the ability then to, um, to, to claim that loss against that profit and get some of that tax back that you've just paid um, rather than wait for a profitable year again to pop up where you can get the benefit then. And Simon, what does that mean for the people claiming it? Does that mean they'll get actual cash back from the tax office or are they leaving that as credit? Yeah, you know, so... The tax office. So probably wait and see how the um, actual legislation works with it. But um, from what they're saying, it'll be a, a refundable tax offset um, that'll be actual actual refund of, of tax that you paid last year. Everyone loves a refund. Exactly. Yeah, there's not too many clients of yours that wouldn't like a refund, Simon. Yeah, from a business perspective, this is pretty big really, isn't it? Because yeah. the problem that businesses run into paying tax – and look, a tax problem is a good problem and it means you're making a profit, so you've got to sort of – take all that into account but you're always paying tax a year after the profit was made so the end of the 30th of June 2020 for example well that's probably a bad example because we had the pandemic that affected profits but say the end of 19 that tax got paid in May 2020 so it's sort of you get your nine or ten months to get it paid yeah, yeah. that's right but you're paying tax in a period so particularly the, the May just gone where everyone's going through the pandemic and you know worried about the future but we're paying tax on a previous year when everything was rosy and was going well. So cash flow-wise, the profit doesn't align with the actual tax payment. So I guess the instalment system is designed to try and level things out a little bit, but there's all, you know, in some situations, and I think this mightn't seem like a big thing, but it will help a lot of businesses. Yeah, it'll be a really massive assistance to cash flow because the problem sometimes is you've paid the tax and you can't get it back. It's just the timing of when the profit and the losses sort of resulted. So, so it's another one where things have been brought forward to be actionable, actionable now. Is it's another example of that? Yeah, that's it? right. Where exactly. Rather yeah. than like previous budgets might have been, yeah, this is going to assist us for the next ten years. Uh, this one is just going to assist you right now. Yeah, exactly right. And it might be going back to that example of you, Chris, where you're talking about the equipment write-off where the tax benefit for that year might not be great to them because they've already made a loss or they're close to a loss and not much profit to actually claim that full deduction of equipment against. Um, if it then results in putting them into a loss position for this year and you say to them there's no tax benefit from buying that equipment in the end, we can then go back and use last year's profit to actually get the credits back on, on yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. So it does really provide some planning opportunities and even going a step further with that and... Uh, a lot of our clients do have companies with franking credits in their franking account. Now, that might sound a bit technical, but basically it's tax they've paid over the years and it's stored in there until such times they pay out a dividend and can claim back that tax. 
So it probably provides opportunities for that too by being able to, you know, utilise these write-off deductions and then pay out dividends. So, yeah, look, there are a lot of tax planning opportunities coming up where, you know, tax you've paid in the past or even paid recently, you'll be able to get back. So it's not, it's probably another one because I'm listening to some of what you're talking about there and I know some of our listeners will be – I don't understand it. So it, it's probably the message is to – make sure that you get your accounting looked at from a tax planning point of view so that you don't miss out on the best benefit from it all. Yeah, I think tax planning is always important, but particularly these when these incentives are around, you've got to maximise them, I think, and make the most of them because that little bit of extra cash flow that might normally be going to the tax office or has already gone to the tax office and now you can ask the tax office for it to come back, now whether that's in the last 12 months or even the last five years potentially with, you know, companies and franking accounts but yeah there's some great opportunities there to help your cash flow because now's the time you're going to need it and these incentives are there for a reason so we've got to tap into them and uh, make the most of them. Uh, And I might just add to that like obviously there's the personal income tax changes which have been well represented on the media and that as well with what it means for you and what what uh, wage bracket you're on um, to what savings potentially available so they should kick in um, in the coming weeks once the legislation goes through and uh, she'll be passed on, you know, in your weekly wage um, to the tax changes. Sooner rather than later. Changes there, yeah, as well. So, um, Because, I think because they were tax cuts that had been already bought in, but they, they're now just bringing them forward. Is that what... Exactly, yeah. So they were planned to apply from 1st of July 2022 um, and they've obviously just brought them forward two years to apply from 1st of July 2020. Um, so there'll be that element of um, they'll legislate it, change it then in the coming weeks. Um, so you'll start getting that in your weekly wage and then um, the portion that you've probably missed out on or been overtaxed from July to, to now, um, well, then you'll have to wait till your tax returns lodge for the 2021 year um, to get the rest of that. Yeah, so so, something good there for the individuals as well, not just the businesses. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's probably one that's always the, the grab for the media, I guess, that is well publicised. Yeah, if, if you what, earn this much, yeah, you'll, you'll save yeah, 1100 yeah, a year, which that is, sort of thing. Which yeah. is the majority of the population, I guess, and that's why they yeah show show what the, what the benefits are there and that's what probably the uh, interest in most people is to see that, that one. Absolutely, absolutely. But, I, but look, I think overall it's, it's a very – it's a very positive message, the, the budget, rather than a um, doom and gloom or, a, you know, like if you look at the news too much at the moment with the American election, <laughs> coronavirus, you can get down on yourself or, or the situation oh, yeah, get pretty down quick. Or it's pretty amusing, the American <laughs> um, election <laughs> side of things. But, yeah. can be nice and funny. But a if bit I of can, comedy. If I can just quote the, um, the Treasurer, that it's all of this – this budget is all about boosting consumer and business, business confidence – growing the economy and creating jobs, which I suppose everything we've spoken about today does reflect that. So, yep. um, yeah, so I suppose that the message is that it's, that it's a nice and positive one. Thank you, gents. That's been a really good sort of um, update on the budget for 2021. Um, Look, there's a lot of other stuff, Gav, in the budget, but I think we're going to send out a bit of a detailed summary. Yep, we're going to have an article. Yep, an article up on the news page at mulkay.com.au will go up later on today, so we're at the 8th of uh, October. Uh, there's also an email coming out to all clients um, tomorrow as well, just with some of the key points in it with some details. So we're going to move on to uh, one of our most popular segments. We get a lot of feedback about these wins of the week from uh, social media, so I'm going to throw to Chris to give us the, this week's win of the week. Thanks, Gav. Yep, yeah, no, we had a big win. Um, combination of our 
I guess our legal department, accounting and agri guys working together in their lending division. So we had a um, client in the agri industry that had been a client for a couple of years and um, probably carrying a fair bit of debt. Look, they've got a reasonable business, but over the last couple of years we've just been sorting through a few things, getting things on track um, around cash flow management, just understanding their production and return and margins and all those types of things. So I've been working through that, which has been good. Um, their bank probably, yeah, in some respects, yeah, were probably struggling a little bit with what the client was aiming to achieve and how they were going about it. They, they were, couldn't understand the circumstances as much? Yeah. Look, even though they're in that industry and that's what they focus on a lot, they were probably more or less more controlling and I guess in some respects concerned with what the client was up to in terms of how much debt they had compared to their equity positions and so forth. And, yeah, we're probably making life difficult um, to the extent where, you know, you know, cutting off cash flow so they couldn't, you know, get fertiliser out and things like that. So, yeah, it was one of those scenarios where, yeah, it was sort of heading down a bit of a tricky path. So in the last 18 months, yeah, we got involved and sort of, you know, started communicating better with the bank so they understood what was going on, providing more up-to-date information um, rather than just, you know, the, the uh, tax return from the previous year, which makes it difficult for a bank at the best of times to try and evaluate a business on historical information that's all tax-driven information anyway. So that didn't help. And we spoke about this particular topic with Rachel Tricky from Agri um, Solutions earlier, earlier in the podcast um, series and all about making sure your, your, your back-of-office stuff is, is well-planned and then the bank lot loves that. It's like a nice, neat package of what your business could be with projections and other things and cash flows rather than just tax information, which is always... Yeah. Um, Optimise, isn't it, for your best tax yep. results? So. And, it, and it's sort of is topical too. Like we've been talking about these instant tax write-offs and how great they are for saving tax, etc. But a bank will pick up a profit and loss statement and look at the the net profit or net loss position, which is fairly influenced by these depreciation claims. And I think it's something that's sort of come into the banking world where they really have to take the profit and loss outcome as gospel, as opposed to adding back the items which they traditionally did. So, yeah, we've got to be a little bit careful with that as we sort of talk to banks and give bank information because they take that as is, like they don't necessarily have that ability or, you know, I'm not sure something's changed in the banking code or something where they really have to rely on tax returns. As, as I said, we were working with these clients and, yeah, we got to the stage where we could start approaching banks because we had a really good story to tell that this is this is where we're at and this is what we're doing. It was more about the future as much as anything. Um, getting better production out of their land. So they wanted to um, fix up clearing rocks, trees, etc., just to make it a bit more productive. So, yeah, the lending guys um, had a chat to a few of the um, agri-bankers that we deal with and, yeah, look, it, it got to the situation where basically we could free up a bit of working capital that allowed these things to be brought forward. You know, we were sort of planning doing this work over the next three, four, five years and realistically though if we could do it this year we'd do it because it just means that our land becomes more productive quicker. So we got enough money for that plus, yeah, got our term debt sorted out. But the big thing was the interest rate more than halved. Really? So, yep. So we ended up um, with a variable interest rate well under 2%. Wow. Now, very, com- yeah, look, the banks are very competitive at the moment but – 
It's just completely changed, um, you know, the outlook for this client where they constantly felt under pressure. Interest got, payments, yeah. Got to make the next payment. Cash flow-wise, it was just putting heaps of pressure on, but now basically that next payment they've got to make is more than halved. So, yeah. no, it's a, a – Huge look, result. It, yeah, look, it is, and it's just one of those situations where, yeah, combination of things coming together, but the key to it was just supplying that information, supplying that – analysis around what they're doing um, and how they're going about it. And I, I probably shouldn't say it like this, but in a much more professional business manner than traditionally was ever probably put forward. So I suppose that, you know, not a lazy way, but, you know, the, probably the old way is just to rely on those financial statements, you know. Um, but if, if you can get some good analysis and good documentation in behind that application, I know Neil and the lending guys love that because they can go – it gives them a lot more leverage when they go to the lenders, so – and I guess one other benefit is too, not only that the client's got a much better outcome from a banking perspective, but also now they've got a much better understanding of their business and they'll continue on, you know, looking at this information because they now understand it a lot more and understand what they should be doing and how they should be going about it from a more financial point of view as opposed to just going out there day after day doing what we've done forever and a day and assuming it all works. Um that's a huge result, isn't it? Har- halving a, an interest rate with the bank in, in the current terms. And I know, look, um, you know, uh, anyone with a, with a – we've said with Neil McCann before, haven't we? Anyone with a home loan should be re-looking at it at the moment because rates have come back so much. So it's just, you know, it's just dead money otherwise, isn't it? So And look, I think you've got to have a good relationship with your banker. There's no doubt about that. I, look, in some respects, I don't think it's good to just be going around just trying to – get the cheapest rate and that's it. I think the relationship with the banker is important, but how much do you want to pay for that relationship? I suppose it, it sort of comes back to that because there are, you know, some really competitive rates there, out there, and it's just a matter of, you know, something that's fair, reasonable and, yeah, because there is a big gap between what we're seeing and what is available. Yep. We might have to rename that win of the month. That's a big win. Look, it's it? going to take a bit of beating, I think. Yes. It might be win of the year, Simon. Yeah, <laughs> close to close to the pies. Um, one thing <laughs> I just wanted to – yeah, close to the pies having a win this weekend. I wanted to mention one thing too for the Victorians out there. I know we're a national business here, but um, Victorian government came out with some, uh, with some economic stimulus as well. Uh, and one of the things was that uh, they're giving $5,000 grants for outdoor eating and entertainment grants, they're calling them. So eligible businesses can apply for the $5,000 grant to be used for things like, you know, buying some outdoor furniture, umbrellas. Um, but one of the things that caught my eye, because I'm a marketing guy, is you can use that some of that money to help promote the business or get the business online. So yep. I've got a few uh, hospitality clients that have always struggled with the ordering online. You know, it's a, just a bit of a process to get everything online. There's always a bit of an upfront cost with a web developer or whatever to do it. But now there's $5,000 Victorian government grants to do that. So that's everyone in regional. Um, the CBD and Metro ones uh, are available as well, but they're a separate thing. But yeah, jump on the Victorian government website and um, have a look at those if you're in the hospitality industry especially. So all about getting people outside over the summer and get, getting them eating and dining. Yeah, definitely. No, it's very good. Um, very good cash flow, I guess, to have. Yeah, to to uh, expand on your fresco area and get those people in once the once the weather does improve. We're looking out at a raining, <laughs> raining, windy day at the moment, but no, hopefully it turns around and yeah, you can get people out and back into the business and out, yeah, socialising and. Well, one thing. Uh, this is a social. Uh, it's not really a financial matter, but um, nights out have turned into pub crawls, Simon. 
because you can book in two two hours in a in a regional hotel or a cafe or a restaurant, but then you've got to get out. So yes. people are now. I've got sons, you know, that are booking in at five o'clock till seven o'clock. Then they've got to walk to the next pub, booking in from quarter past seven to quarter past nine. Really? Because you're supposed to sit down and have something to eat while you're there. Oh, so right. they're organising booking tables ahead with groups of five or ten of them doing the, doing the pub crawl because really? that's sort of how, how it works. You're only supposed to stay in an establishment yeah. for two hours and you've got to be sitting and eating. So um, they're probably getting through a couple of meals a night too, which probably suits them. Yeah, so so I suppose it's just all this stuff gets introduced and then socially people just find out a way around it anyway, yeah. don't they? There's all, always <laughs> the loopholes that come in that, yeah, to, to fill up your night. Especially when there's a bit of a night out involved. So. Exactly, the carrots there. Well, it's a, it's good luck to the magpies this week, mate. I hope they can uh, smash cats. those cats. Yeah, no, look, I, look, I must admit I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, so why? I'm a Richmond man. Oh. We're, we're looking at down the barrel of straight sets as well, so watch yeah. out. Yeah, I think you'll be right. I feel like yeah. we're Ge- you know, I, I, like Geelong and Collingwood are always pretty good matches. Yeah, and, and I think Collingwood beat Geelong the last couple of times they've yeah, played too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, Degoe kicked five, I think it was. So yeah, hopefully I'm yeah, getting nervous. Hawkins kicks six points yeah, again. Six points. Yeah. <laughs> if Hawkins can kick three goals instead of six points, you will probably win the game. Yeah. So, well, thanks very much for your time today, Simon Bennett, partner of accounting, and uh, your co-host Chris Mulcahy with Gavin Nash. So thanks, guys, and everybody stay safe. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the FS360 podcast brought to you by Mulcahy Co. Financial Security 360 is at the centre of what we do at Mulcahy Co. If you'd like to speak to one of our professionals about a range of individual and business needs, give us a call.